Hi everyone, I'm Rob Thomas. Um, this is the Father's Day special for the Big Scuba podcast. Um, I'm here with my dad, Michael Thomas, um, and we're just talking a little bit about everything great about UK diving. Um, we're going to take Gemma and Ian on a little tour of what's good. Hello and welcome back to the Big Scuba podcast. Gemma. This one is no, 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 19, I think. It is. It's episode I've 19. I've been waiting to get to, the, to 19 to do that. So not only, everyone, not only is this the Father's Day special. Happy Father's Day if you listen to it. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's uh, Day. Yeah. So not only is this the Father's Day special, this one is sponsored by Paul Hardcastle. You're young enough to remember that song. No, 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 19. About Vietnam, it's great. It was a great song. It, I think I'm a bit young to remember. Yeah, me too. Actually, someone told me that. <laughs> I just researched. But anyway, welcome. If you're here, you know uh, it's Father's Day, so our Father's Day special to all you fathers out there and your children. I hope you enjoy this one. This one is a really special one. We recorded it a few weeks ago uh, with Father's Day in mind, and um, we've got some uh, really great. Uh, divers lined up, father and son team. So Michael and Robert Thomas, welcome. And you know, uh, it's great. It was a really great chat that we had with them. What kind of, yeah, know, yeah, really there. interesting. Yeah, and fun. It was. It was really fun. And you know, lovely that you got um, a really great diver in Michael Thomas, and his son is now. He looks up to him and is following his footsteps. Um, it's some brilliant cave diving and is making headlines. Uh, you know, he's out there doing that in both of them. So it's brilliant and it's a really great opportunity and a pleasure to have them on the, the Big Scoop podcast. Yeah, they're father and son, but they're, they're best friends as well and they take each other's back when they're out together as well, which is really nice. Yeah, that is. And that's a beautiful thing. And uh, it's a lovely thing that you can do that to, and share that, you know, yeah. as father and son. So, you know, it's been new, and you can see that when we talked to them, you know, you can see that there was a the bond. They each had each other's back. And they, although they told us that, you, to be honest, you, they didn't need to because you could. So that was really great. And that's brilliant. Here's some little little bits of information about Father's Day. Okay. Know? So Father's Day is celebrated all all around the world in about 111. Mm-hmm. And usually uh, Father's Day, no matter what country of these 100, they always either celebrate Father's Day either in March, May, or June. Okay. But in this country, since 1910, when we started celebrating the third Sunday of June. Okay. So. So, yeah, so a little bit of there for you. It's been going for quite a while. I think I think it actually stemmed from the Catholic Church. So that's where, you know, we have Mother's Day, then later on we have Father's Day. So, you know, it's really nice. Nice little thing to do. Mm, definitely. Right. It, it's tricky at the moment still, because obviously we're still in the whole sort of lockdown situation, although we're coming out of it. The whole well, we've still got the powers of Zoom and Skype and I think... Yeah. Lots of dads have learned a lot in the last three months. Yeah, me too. I've worked how to use the laptop. <laughs> yeah, even my dad. I, I'm now on two fingers. <laughs> no, I started with one finger. Now I'm on two. Okay. Right. So that's progression. That's a positive step forward. So anyway, we move. We digress. <laughs> yes. So let's get back to the podcast. Yes. I knew there was a reason why we were here. <laughs> now, so. Let's crack on, unless there's anything further for us to do. Hello to our band, do a quick hello to our band. Blooming, uh, Bud Lake Honey, Telling Truth, and Marigolds. Hello to you all, thank you very much for all the music. Darling, to this great podcast. Enjoy everybody, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much for you both, you know, for coming on and joining us. Um, to the, the Big Scoop podcast or A Big Chat. Let's make this a Father's Day special and we'll make it with you guys being, you know, uh, father and son di- uh, and also diving together. Let's make something of it and that'd be a really nice thing to do. Uh, myself, I'm a dive master. I help uh, a local club in Norwich and uh, 
I've been diving for about five years. And Gemma? Yes, yeah. So I'm a non-diver at the moment, but I have obviously started my open water journey, done the theory, done the pool sessions, and then was just waiting to jump in Stony Cove to do the qualification and then lockdown hit. Would you be able to introduce each other? So for people who don't know who you two are, um, so obviously we've got uh, Michael Thomas and Robert Thomas with us. Um, Robert, would you be able to introduce your dad for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously he's my dad. Um, we're, we're good friends. Just It's more like I, anything we do diving wise, I wouldn't really say it's a, it is a father-son relationship, obviously, but it's not a father-son relationship like you would normally have. It's more just like a friendship that is, yeah. we just go diving really. Um, so it's really nice from that point of view. Uh, obviously he's been diving since the dawn of time um, and I'm a, a bit younger than that so um, yeah he's, he's done a lot of diving lots of cave diving lots of wreck diving um, and yeah it's a big source of inspiration for me for sure um, and and yeah obviously probably most well known for the for the cave diving um, he's the training officer of the Somerset section cave diving group yeah um, and obviously a TDI instructor for a whole a variety of different courses all, all the way from sort of basic diving to full cave level okay brilliant thank you very much and over to you michael you need to introduce your son <laughs> oh do i now <laughs> right right well um, yeah robert's uh, robert's obviously my son um he's he's grown up with with, with caving and diving his entire life so i mean i, I started diving um in 1987 robert came along in uh, in 2000 so he didn't really, we did have a choice, but he, because he grew up around divers and around cavers, at the age of about 10, uh, well, actually, it was a little bit before that, he started doing some shore dives on, on using three-litre cylinders at about eight years old. Wow. Um, and when, when he was 10, I've got a, a good friend of mine, who uh, George Vella, that runs the Calypso Diving Centre in Malta. George did his, uh, well, the Calypso Dive Centre did his uh, Paddy Junior Open Water at 10. And he's just been building experience over the last, the last 10 years, really. Um, and in, get me, get me get this right, November 2018, he did his IDC out in Malta uh, and became a, a Paddy instructor in his own right. Brilliant. And then crossed over to uh, SDI and TDI. So Robert can also teach SDI Open Water and TDI Intro to Tech. Robert's also a member of the Cave Diving Group in the UK, and we, we press ganged him recently. We needed a new secretary for the section because uh, the, the, the lady that was, was our club, well, the group secretary had, had stepped down, and we needed a new one. So we press ganged Robert into the role. So he's, uh, yeah, he's, um, he's got a few things on his plate diving wise now. How are you keeping busy through the lockdowns? <sighs> For, well, for me, I mean, it's, this is the, well, was, I mean, we've started diving again now, um, but the, this was the longest period. I think I had 63 days out of the water because Robert and I were teaching a, a cave course in France when France went into lockdown. They were locked down slightly before us. Mm. Um, so we, Robert and I got stuck in France um, with students so we were, we were sneaking around France for a couple of days trying to finish this course. And then we got the right paperwork to be able to travel to get out of France. And we drove out of France and straight into lockdown in the UK. <laughs> so so we, 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 we sort of escaped France. Mm. But then, then we had, I mean, my, my Shearwater computer said 63 days. And that's the, that's the longest time I've been out of the water in, in, you know, as a block for, I don't know, for many, many, many years. Mm. So, I mean, for me... For me, sort of personally, yeah, it, is, it has been quite difficult and I have been climbing the walls. I've spent a lot of time doing research, look, looking back at old projects and, and planning new projects and, and just trying to keep, and, and also keeping my students occupied. Sometimes easier said than done, but. Yeah. Have you had to do a lot of theory sessions and things on Zoom and Skype? We've been, um, with TDI, they, they have a really good online training program. Uh, a lot of the theory can be done through online courses. So I can, I can issue the, the theory as an online course. And then if, the, you know, if, the, if, the, if they've got questions or they've got problems, they can email or pick the phone up. I, I, to be honest, I prefer them just to pick the phone up than, than, than email because it it's easier to talk to someone. Uh, and then if need be, we, yeah, we just get on Skype or Zoom or, or whatever. So. 
Yeah. That's good. How about you, Rob? Um, I've, been, I've had, well, obviously, same situation. We we'd left France and straight into lockdown in England. So it was a bit of a culture shock from a nice week's diving. It was a bit sneak diving, but it was still a nice week's diving. And then going into like just nice sunshine and all the everything's in condition to dive and then not being able to dive it. So that was that was quite hard from from my point of view. Um, but I've I've been working on my mod three, like JJ mod three theory. So I've I've spent a fair bit of time doing that, just re- working through it slowly and, and taking that all in. Um, so I've got, I've actually quite enjoyed doing that. So that's been a good thing. Um, I've also made a few videos, just different techniques we use in the UK cave systems. I don't know if you've seen them on Facebook at all, um, but yeah, they're quite they're, they were quite fun to make as well. So that was a that was a good little time filler. And then. Mm-hmm. Other than other than that, we've just been walking a fair bit because there's not not a whole lot else to do. So just keeping the fitness up and um, yeah, doing some yeah. longish walks. So you've been rock climbing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I got, um, not during the lockdown, but once it's eased, obviously only recently, like last week and the last couple of weeks, we've been able to to go down to the seaside and and do some climbing. So that was really, that's been really nice. I've definitely missed that. I've definitely missed the the view of the sea as well. It's been quite mm. nice. Went I went for a swim just in my um, shorts the other day, and that was fresh. <laughs> I bet. Um, so that was that was that's good. Brave. Yeah, it was sunny though, so it was all right. It was it, you warmed up pretty quick afterwards, but it was a yeah. nice feeling. Yeah. So whereabouts are you actually based? Um, about 40 miles south of London, Farnham, quite near Guildford, I don't know, like between Guildford and Portsmouth kind of thing. Um, yeah. so, so not that far from the coast. I mean, Swanage, Swanage, Portland, like Swanage is about an hour 40, Portland's like two and a bit hours. And then you've yeah. got Portsmouth, so some decent diving off Portsmouth as well. And that's only like 50 minutes. Um, so do you find the skills that you do for rock climbing, do you find they come in handy for your cave diving? Can you yeah. like... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, all of the sports I do, they kind of, or we do, even not just me, um, they, they do tie in very nicely. I mean, you've got the, we'll, we'll start with caving, because dry caving, you learn so much more about the cave environment than you ever would from doing a, a TDI cave course, if that makes sense. I mean, you're, gonna, yeah. you're just going to learn infinitely more by being in the dry in that environment than you can do whilst being wet in that environment, if that makes sense. Because yeah. you can talk yeah. about it, you can see things. You, you, if you're diving like this, you kind of you've got your box in front of you that you're you're looking at. But if you're walking through it, you're just sort of a bit more aware of your surroundings. You can sort of paint the cave picture very nicely. So from that point of view, that that is a massive advantage doing that. And then obviously the climbing ties nicely in with the caving. And yeah, obviously if we're doing some bigger dives and getting out of the water again, then you still need to be able to carry your kit and cave comfortably and, and potentially climb comfortably as well so yeah they definitely do transfer very nicely a mutual friend of ours uh christina sonato said that when when she came on the podcast and it just made me think of it when you were talking about your rock climbing she said that line is life and it's very yeah. true you know the line is life and that's the one thing that keeps you keeps you yeah, alive absolutely. if you do fall sure. so uh, yes yeah, i can see yeah, that's the, a good saying i quite like that one it is, isn't it? Yeah. Just one thing I remember, you know, I, I've remembered with that. It's um, very good. Uh, have you listened to that podcast? It's got, yeah, definitely, got absolutely. We'll have a, have a look at it. Um, so with Mark, Michael, you know, how did you, I know you've explained this to probably on other podcasts, but for people who've not heard those, the, those ones, how did you first get into cave diving or how did you first start diving, Michael? Right, oh, well, I was... Um... My, well, I need to go. I need to go back a little bit in history. My father was, um, well, w- w- as a as a young man, was part of the Royal Aircraft Engineering Establishment, the RAE, at Farnborough. Was it? Um, the RAE was was linked to the RAF, and he was stationed on Malta in right. in, the, in the 1960s with the Royal Aircraft Engineering Establishment, and he he kind of fell in love with Malta. Yeah. Um, and then when I came along in, in 1973, um, not long after that, my father and mother purchased a house on Gozo, the smaller of the two Maltese islands. So I spent a lot of my, my younger years growing up. We, we used to sort of live, live on Malta sort of two months of the year or on Gozo mm. two months of the year. And I spent a lot of my, my early years messing around and playing on Gozo, climbing and, and exploring caves. And when when I got to about fourteen, you know, you know what fourteen-year-olds are like. You're not old enough to be left at home, but you're definitely too old to be on holiday with your parents. <laughs> so, so you, you, I was locking horns with my father, and I remember him sort of shouting at me one day. So, what do you want to do then? 
and I just happened to be stood outside of the Calypso Diving Centre, which at the time was the only diving centre on Gozo. So I pointed at it and I said, well, that looks like fun. Can, I, can we do that? Uh, and that, that, that then cost my father a fortune because he had to fund my diving until I left school. So, um, so that, that's kind of how I got, I got into diving. Um, and, and yeah, did you and then, take and then it straight then away? Sorry? Did you take to it straight away? Uh, did I take to it? I'd, I'd, um, apart from nearly drowning, learning to mask clear, um, then, yeah, it, it, I did. I mean, we, 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 the initial, for, I, what I, the, I didn't do a course originally. We, we did what they used to call a resort course. And it, oh. and it wasn't a course. It wasn't a course that was attached to any agency. Now, now remember, this was back in sort of 1987. And, and I did this resort course. It, it was five, five dives. And on my fifth ever dive, we were we were down at thirty meters. Um, and then when, when I got then when I got back to the UK, um, I yeah I'd, I'd loved it. I'd had a proper adventure. I came back to the UK, and then I had trouble joining a diving club in the UK because I'm fourteen years old. The British Sub Aqua Club, their minimum age limit was was sixteen at right. that time. Yeah. Um, so. Eventually, they met the, the local Bezac club to me, which was Alton Bezac, which unfortunately is, is no longer in existence. It died a death many years ago. Um, but they were they were quite rogue. They 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 didn't really toe the line that well. Really? And they, <laughs> then they they got um, they just let me join, and, and and I kind of bluffed my way through two years of diving, and I, and I did become the country's youngest. Um, Bezac dive leader because as soon as I was 16 I was made up to a Bezac dive leader because I've been diving with them for the last two years and, and all of a sudden that they just assumed that I'd, I'd done this um, you know you know literally I'd spent the whole summer going novice sports diver dive leader and in fact I'd spent two years doing it and as soon as I was 16 I became a dive leader. So it's quite so. good then because like with Rob being uh, regarded as one of the youngest uh, cave divers in Britain uh, or was when he first start, got into it. It's, um, it's quite good that he's now, you two, he sort of followed your footsteps you know, in that way. And, um, you know, both sort of really took off in that. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is. Uh, one of the nice things now is, is, it's, is it's all a lot easier. We, we're not fighting these, you know, sort of misconceptions that, you know, diving, you've got to be, you know, six foot and, 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 and built like a naval diver to join the diving club. You know, a lot of, I mean, that was a problem back in the, in the mid 80s, the early 80s. And, and I kind of, I grew up through all of that. And it's nice now to, you know, yes, we've got age limits for a reason and we've got training limits for a reason. But, but getting, getting the youngsters involved now and being able to get them involved at a much younger age, in my opinion, is fantastic. And, and that's what yeah. we need. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, I would never push them to do it. Ro Roberts wanted to do it. I have never said, we are going to go cave diving. Yeah. He has always said to me, I would like to do that. And I've always said, right, if you want to do that, then we are going to do X, Y, and Z to achieve that. Uh, but now I've, now I've got to a point where Robert watches my back as much as I watch his, which, which is superb. So what level are you, are you up to? You know, can you, you, I think you're at one of the highest levels now, aren't you? So can you go yeah, any I mean, further? I, I, can teach, I can teach pretty much anything on, on the cave spectrum from, you know, from sort of cavern diving all the way through to the, the sort of niche speciali specialist things. For, for, you know, for TDI, I've got a sump diving course. They've got a vertical access um, sump diving course. So I can teach all the little obscure things as, as well as all the, the, the run of the mill, um, yeah, run of the mill sort of cave diving courses. Yeah. And do you, do you know just, any other, is there any other father and son uh, cave diving teams out there? Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 um, there's Lamar Hires and Jared Hires in America. L Lamar Hires is Dive Right. Well, Lamar and Jared are, are, are Dive Right USA. Um, they're a father and son cave diving team. I mean, if, if you go back into the history books, you've got, um, you had a very famous one, uh, Chris, <coughs> sorry, Chris and Chrissy Ruse. Uh, it was a father and son team. And there's a book, oh, I can't remember the name of the book. It's John Chat, not John Chatterson. 
I've, I've lost the name of the book. There's a very famous book that and it, it didn't end well. The, the, the Chris and Chrissy Ruse came, got it all horribly wrong, diving a shipwreck off the east coast of America. I'll think, I'll think of the name of the book in a minute. No. Uh, and there's also a father and son team. I don't know if you remember, I think it's Shipwreck Detectives. It was a Canadian, yeah, yeah. It was a Canadian TV programme. Um, and that, that was a father and son team that were exploring shipwrecks all, all around the world. So there are a few around, but there's not that many. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good so, to hear. So why not wreck diving, or, you know, what, right. what what was it about you? What was it about cave diving that that won you over? And you thought, right, oh. you know, cave diving is where you're going to be. Thick, do your thing. Cave diving is definitely not just where we do our thing. We absolutely love shipwrecks as well, for sure. Dive both yeah. of them. There's no no one thing. I mean, we're most well known for for caves, but I I absolutely love shipwrecks. I mean, I, I cut my teeth learning to dive off off the south coast out of Swanage. Yeah. So just jumping in the sea off the back of the boat is is still probably like the most natural diving feeling, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a case of expanding and and doing as much underwater stuff as possible, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, from that from that point of view, I, I I'd say I equally like wrecks as much as I like caves. Definitely, I'd probably do more caves than I do wrecks, but I I like them equally for sure. Yeah. So in terms of, did your dad do your training right through? No, uh, he has done. Obviously, I have done a lot of training with him because he's been my main dive partner for for the last ten years. So I've I've obviously learnt tons from him. But I've from from day one, he's always shepherded me off to other instructors. I mean, I did when I did my open water, he wasn't he didn't dive with us at all then. It was just I was mm. off with the instructor doing that. And that's kind of been the same throughout really. Um I've obviously dived with Christina Zanato. She did a I did a couple of well at the time they were probably the biggest cave dives I'd I'd ever done by a significant distance. Um, um so yeah, that was that was cool. And then literally just diving with as many different experienced people as possible to try and gain as much experience as possible really yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah it's definitely it's definitely if you are a father son dive team i'd recommend diving with other people as well just because you've got if they're doing it their way and you might not necessarily like it that exact same way because we have different ways of of doing everything really they're not all the same they're similar but not not all the same by any means yeah, yeah. so when you were learning uh, going through the journey did you have people of a similar age to yourself or were they mostly older Honestly, they were mostly older. To mm. be fair, there wasn't. I, I, when all the courses I've done, uh, probably like I don't know, half of them have probably been on my own anyway. Um, but it's there's not been many people of a similar age for sure. I mean, when I was learning to dive, when I was doing the course there, there was there was other people, but they were probably in their twenties when I was eight or well, no ten even. Sorry, um, so a bit of an age gap there. But I think that's a it's not a bad thing for me. Definitely as a person, it's it's made me be able to socialise quite nicely with a wider range of of people rather than some of my friends. Uh, you try and have they try and have an, a conversation with an adult and it's like a really alien concept but for me it's just like caving clubs full of adults diving full of adults so you just you, you learn pretty quick what works and what doesn't yeah. so what do your fellow peers of a similar age think of you doing your diving and oh no they're, they're all very supportive i mean a lot of them I've, t I've taught a couple of my friends to dive as well so they're 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 happy with that and a couple more want to want to learn afterwards so um yeah they're all really supportive a lot of them a lot most of my friends are, are quite outdoorsy and active anyway like they've got other interests they climb and none of them cave but well some do but not mm. friend, that my close friendship group kind of thing um but yeah i mean everyone's really supportive um i think there's definitely been an increase in young divers in the last two years for sure i've personally seen a massive increase which is really nice and we just want to promote that as as much as possible yeah. um hopefully in a somewhen soon we'll be we'll try and organize a, a young divers day but just it's, it's in early stages at the minute but yeah hopefully that will be something we're looking to do yeah um, that's a good yeah. idea but yeah. Be cool. yeah and that's a podcast you know we want to show that diving is very accessible to younger people and particularly women and young girls as well rather than have this kind of image that you know it's for older people or it's expensive it's, yeah just to kind of widen it and so the podcast you know we want people even non-divers to listen to it to maybe absolutely inspired. yeah yeah definitely so you with regards to your training that you were seeing a lot of that was from your dad did, it, did the training from your dad differ much from what you've had from other instructors? Absolutely. I mean, every, pretty much every instructor I've dived with, I've, I've learned a different tip or trick. Even, even if it's something tiny, like, I don't know, 
just a different way of clearing your mask, for example. Like I learned a new way of clearing my mask the other day, which I'd never done before. So it was which really? kind of blew my mind to be fair. Cause <laughs> yeah, in, instead of like just putting it on your face and clearing it, he cleared it and then put the strap on. And I was like, Oh my God, it's mind blowing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that, that stuff like that. You just, every day's a school day. If you stop learning, then you kind of, mm. you always got to learn it really. You always got to learn. Absolutely, every day yeah. you've got, and you know, I always think that must get harder. The, the more experienced and the more qualified you get, how you then carry on learning because you know that that point gets harder because you 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 know you've taken on so much information. You think right, what else have I got to learn? Yeah, for and sure. At, at that point, it sort of goes more into consolidation of skills rather than necessarily necessarily learning a whole new set of skills. Um, yeah. To be able to refine and and improve the skills you've already got. Um, yeah. so but even as experienced divers we both I mean I, I can speak for the both of us here I'm sure we will continue to learn that every time we dive like it's the way it works yeah and the level that you're both at uh, uh, I suppose you'll get the you'll get the enjoyment I, I, I guess from not so much the information that you're now learning will be about how you can now pass that on to other people yeah, absolutely and teaching and training and as instructors, obviously, we might not necessarily learn a skill, but we're going to learn how to portray that skill to a student. So that's, that's as satisfying. But when you get back home and you're like, right, excellent, we're, we're going to be in the UK for a few months. Is there a place where you think, right, we're going to go back down there. It always feels like home. It's a familiar place. You know, where is that for you guys? I mean, Yorkshire's a solid bet for cave diving. Yorkshire, Wicky that area Hull. is... Uh, Wicky Hole, absolutely, yeah, that is a... Yeah. That's a classic for sure. I mean, it's this one of the best dive sites in the UK, in my opinion, for sure. Um, and it's yeah, for us, it's accessible, which is really, really nice and a, a massive, massive benefit because it's a great, great training site and it's a great, great dive in its own right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole Somerset area, it's you've got Worky Hole, which is the famous one, but then surrounding it, you've got hundreds of caves and hundreds of different caves with diving in as well. So yeah. it's. it's not just the one one at Wookie. There's there's tons around that area, the whole Somerset area, and that's, that's where our caving club is, the Wessex. Um, so that, that that's pretty much my second home as well, or both of our yeah. second homes. Do you, do you share the same opinion, Michael? Bam. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, from a, I mean, Wookie Wookie is the home of British cave diving. It, cave diving in the UK started in Wookie Hole in 1935. So we've had a, the cave diving group had a long relationship with the cave. Um, we, we've been down there in the last couple of weeks, actually working with the show cave manager to implement COVID-19 procedures. So for when they get ready to reopen. So right. it's really nice that, that, that they've actually turned round and said to us, can you get involved in this? Because we're going to put divers back into the cave as well as tourists. So we need your input. So, we, yeah, we've, we've, we've managed to, you know, we've managed to get, get back there and, and just get underground a little bit as well, uh, in, you know, working with the guys down there. Yeah. Um, Wales is, is again, is another classic area for me. York, as Robert said, Yorkshire is fantastic. Um, for me, I've got a bit of a soft spot for South Wales for the caving, but but also looking at the rep diving. If I want to, if we want to just jump out in the sea on a, on a nice day, there's so much on the south coast. You get out of Swanage, Weymouth, Portland. You know, the, there's so much wreck history. history out there. First, first and second world war and and accidents in between. Mm. Um, you know, a little bit further afield, the, you've got the, you know, the, the classic iconic scapa flow in the top of Scotland. Again, yeah. it's, it's only a day's drive away and you can get there. So, you know, yeah. we do have so much in the UK. We, we are, you right. know, and if, if we can't leave for six months, then, you know, it's, it's not going to be a, too much of a massive trauma because we, you know, we have got loads to go at. And there's yeah. variety as well, isn't it? Part of the, the, the remit of the cave diving group is it, our primary existence is the, is the further exploration of caves, be they underwater or in the dry cave once you've passed the sump. Okay? Our other remit within the cave diving group is to supply um, submerged cave rescue techniques to the cave rescue organisation. Now, now, cave rescue organisation in the UK is, is linked to mountain rescue, but obviously cave diving is, is a very specialist occupation. So you can't expect, you, you can't train 
a cave rescue or mountain rescue operative to cave dive. It's better to train a cave diver um, to be able to rescue uh, and perform cave rescues. So within the cave diving group, we run um, cave rescue training for our own members. Right. And it just so happened that about a month before the Thai rescue um, kicked off, we had run a, a, a big practice rescue session at Wookiee Hole. So, but we didn't know anything about this, the Thai thing at the time because it was before it had happened. But it yeah. did stand everyone in really good, you know, it gave everyone a good footing. Because mm. when, when it kicked off, the last training exercise that we'd done had literally been the month before. So everybody was able to, to draw on, on a, a very recent practice rescue. But, but also what's, what's happened now is the guys that we sent out to Thailand, um, they've come back and gone, right, in the real world, this worked, this worked, this didn't work. So we've now, since then, we've done more training exercises using the experience that the lads came back with. with and we've, yeah. we've, re we've refined what we're doing here. Okay. So it, again, it's, you know, that, was, that was a big learning curve, you know, uh, it was a huge, well, not big, it was a huge learning curve for, for everybody involved. So. Yeah, and made worldwide press and everything, and that was a happy, happy uh, finish. With, with, well. with, a, with, a very, you know, with a very happy outcome, yeah. Are you still on call for these sort of things? We're any, any qualified member of the cave diving group, as, unless they opt out, they are immediately put onto uh, the cave rescue organisation's diving call-out list. So, so we, we don't put trainees on the list, but any, mem any qualified member, yes, yeah, so basically yeah, both myself and Robert are on that call-out list for diving rescue. Yeah, well, there can't be that many people across the globe who have got your experience um, and mindset because there is a certain mindset to get into the yeah i mean the, the mindset is I'm, I'm glad you touched on that actually because the, the mindset of of cdg style training is very different and and, yeah. and, it, and it's a, it, it is it, it touches on the mountaineering side is is you're kind of not allowed to have an accident because there are some places that we go to that if you did have an accident the chances of rescue are actually very very remote yeah. So, you know, if you're going to go to, go to these places, you need to have this mindset that says, I am not going to, I am not, I'm just not going to do it because I can't afford to do it. Um, and, and also having that dry caving background, being able to, to transfer from diver to caver back to diver, it, it, you know, again, is a very different, it's a very different mindset from like a TDI or, or you know, INATD trained cave diver that only ever swims around in a flooded cave. They don't ever transition from dry cave to underwater and back to dry again. Yeah. Really there, aren't many of, there aren't many of us that do that. In, in the grand scheme of things, there aren't many. The cave diving group has got less than 180 members in the UK. That's not 180 active members. I, I would probably say there's probably less than 60 or 70 active members. Caves are so, um, so diverse. All of, you know that there are so many different types of caves that, that if you train in one area say you did your cave training in Mexico that makes you a cave diver in one area it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean to say that you can that you can transfer those skills to diving successfully in the UK you know that you, you do need to you do need to change and uh, and assess the environment and the, and the geographical region that you're in. I mean, I've, I've had, uh, we had a, a good friend of ours. He's actually, I, I, did, the, I did the lads um, advanced nitrox course um, about four or five years ago. He, he then went on down the rebreather route and he, and he did a, a rebreather cave course in Florida. Then he came back to the UK and he went off to do some mine diving in North Wales. And, and it, it for him, it turned out into a bit of a, it was a bit of an eye opener. A bit, bit, he had a big day out and, and ended up um, aborting the dive not very far from base. And then he, he came straight home and he got on the phone and he said, uh, "Mike, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about British cave diving." He said it's very different from the, the three weeks of training I've just done. I've, I've just gone diving in the UK and I've had the whole thing handed back to me on a plate. 
and I, I, I started laughing, and then you know, it, it, all, all was well. He wasn't hurt, but he, yeah. it was just a big. It was just a big eye opener. Yeah. So. Do you prefer cave diving in the UK? Cave, I mean, cave diving in the UK is great. It's, but it's if you go to say France, for example, the caves are much more impressive. I would say mm-hmm. not that UK caves aren't impressive. There is different sections that are equally as good. But in general, like the water's clearer, they're they're bigger, they're nicer. They've got nicer things in. UK caving is quite a niche niche market to like. Really, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of legwork for the rewards you get. So you've got to really enjoy doing it. But yeah, absolutely. There's there's great rewards to be had in caves all over the UK. So and there's yeah. tons of them. So it's pretty much an endless playground, really. Have you got a kind of cave that you'd like to explore anywhere in the world? Have you got something on your bucket list? I'd, I'd like to do like order cave in um, in Russia. That's definitely on the list. I, I've not been to Mexico. I've not been to Florida. So all, they both interest me. It's Mexico is less on my list than say Florida, but. Um, Still really nice big caves. I'd love to go back to the Bahamas and do some more stuff there because mm. that dive yeah. just got absolutely lovely. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely definitely sites I would like to go to for sure. Yeah. So for any young divers listening to this that have done a sort of the normal diving course and they're thinking about going into cave diving, you got any advice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. Um, don't rush. Definitely don't rush because it's it's not the type of environment or thing to be rushed you want to take it super slowly um just relax into it i always kind of imagine i've got so much stress my body can take and the calmer you are before the dive the the more stress you can take in the dive so that would be a a good bit of advice if you're not Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable and the chances are you're not going to be 100 percent comfortable when you're first doing it i remember my first overhead environment dive was in the silica mines i was shitting myself i was so scared (laughs) it was terrible um but yeah no it was it was it just grew from there really so it's all right to be scared as well for sure because it is a it is an intimidating environment and that that fear aspect definitely sharpens your your senses so i think a little bit of you know like turning tummy kind of thing when you're you're a bit Mm. nervous is is definitely a good thing um but yeah just take it slowly explore your options there's lots of different ways you can you can do it so there's, there's not one way of doing it yeah that sounds good best not to rush yeah yeah definitely best not to rush and and just enjoy the diving you're doing don't don't try and progress to the next level without being 100% comfortable at the level you're at I mean you I've I I can't even count the amount of 30 meter dives I've done out of the the south coast so many like and uh, and that base has been a really good base to now progress and I'm super happy because I've got that solid foundation I'm finding myself more comfortable even even when I'm pushing myself outside of my limit I'm still comfortable in that limit if that makes yeah. sense mm. um just because i know i'm just confident in my own ability of of what could go wrong and, and having the knowledge of what could go wrong and being able to compromise for that yeah so it's a question for both of you who in the diving world inspires you uh, yeah um there's a lady called Immy wallin she's she's a massive inspiration to me i don't know if you've heard of her she's finished um finding shipwrecks that's her thing she literally just works on a on a boat and, and goes and finds shipwrecks but she does absolutely awesome diving for sure she's definitely up there on my my list of cool divers and inspirations yeah no that's good to hear i haven't heard that name before no, I was going to say, um, Emmy, Emmy Wallen is, is someone that I think would um, really, um, well, should, should probably appreciate you guys contacting her, actually. We can send you the, we can send you the details. Um, her English, her yeah. English is very, very good. No, her English, her English is very, very good. She, she lectures a lot. She's, um, she spends her life researching and finding Russian Russian and Finnish First and Second World War submarine wrecks in the Baltic. Okay. Um, so it's some, she does some seriously hardcore diving, and, and she's a seriously lovely lady as well. So she, she's probably someone that you should be, you know, you guys should contact. I'll send you the uh, details. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, going back to, to sort of what in, who inspires me, um, I, there's so many, there's so many people. Anyone really that's that's, that's doing good exploration. Um, you know, people like Christina, you know, I mean, she's going to hate me for saying this, but she, she is an inspiration in her own right. I know she's, it, was, it was Christina that said, oh, you, want to, you guys want to speak to us. Um, yeah, people like Sammy Packerin, um, you know, any of the guys that are, out, that are out there doing stuff. But I suppose being a little bit older, a lot of my inspiration was, was taken from some of the older divers um, that, that um, you know, that, that, that built the, 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 the sort of history of technical diving. 
you know, people like Rob Palmer, Rob Parker, um, you know, they, those guys were, they put the, they put the sort of the stones down. You know, what, you know that saying that we, you stand on the shoulders of giants. Well, yeah. you know, a lot of the sites that I'm researching and a lot of the sites that I've, I've done exploration in, the original exploration was done by those guys. So I'm kind of, you know, I am walking in their footsteps to, to do this stuff. We, was, uh, um, we spoke to John Chatterton and one of the things he, he was explaining to us, and it was just like uh, mind-blowing, really, that he was doing these really deep dives with rebreathers that he knew were, uh, let's just say, in their, he was still banging them together. You know, he, was, he knew, chances are, it was going to go wrong. But he was doing it to develop this, the system, the rebreather system. And, uh, you know, he obviously had the bailouts with him, but he was doing these really deep dives, no, mm. full knowing that chances are he's going to have to repair it and fix it. I mean, it. A, a, lot of our, a lot of my early expeditions in, in the sort of 19, in the 1990s, when, when rebreathers were in, you know, I started, re, I started rebreather diving in uh, God, um, 1996. And I was, I was, a, I've been around rebreathers a long time, but in the nineties, anything to do with rebreathers. And, but he, um, if you went on an expedition in the nineteen nineties and it had a rebreather involved, you would be, you know, you would be sat at the kitchen table in in the in the jeep that you were in with a soldering iron, repairing it every single evening. I, I don't think I don't miss the repairing the rebreathers every night game. Because no. um, it, it's you know for the fourth day in a row, sat there at midnight with a soldering iron, scratching your head, tr trying to get it going, to, get, getting it back together, and then ten hours later, you're in the water on it for four hours, hoping that your soldering was good. Um, I, I kind of don't miss that, and, and I kind of like now being able to phone up AP or, or JJ and, and just go, right, guys, can you send me part number, you know, X twenty two. And then two days later, it drops through the letterbox. Yeah. Um, but th there was a, you know, back in the 90s, it was an adventure. It was definitely more of an adventure. Um, but we spent more time fixing things than we did actually diving. <laughs> Having said that, it, it is an improvement. Rebreather re um, reliability is, is definitely, a, you know, it's definitely a godsend that, it's, that it's, it has improved. Yeah. But one thing it has done is I, I'm, I'm now finding new divers on rebreathers are trusting it too much because mm -hmm. it never fails. They trust it completely. Right. Where, where because I've, I've grown up with these units not working, I don't trust them. Even now, I still don't yeah. trust them. And, and from, and from a, a longevity and life-saving point of view, when, I, when I'm teaching rebreathers, it, it, I, I'm a lot more. I'm a lot more pushy on. Make sure you do your checks because there's a reason that you're doing these checks, and it's not just me following the standards of the course. It's there's a reason because of what's happened in the past. Yeah. And, and I know. And, and I know that reason. So it's much easier for me to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So what rebreathers are you using at the moment? I've got a JJ and my dad's got a AP inspiration and a Kiss Sidewinder as well. So there's a there's a couple of units in the shed. Yeah. And do you swap over? Do you use each other's or are you specific to your? We, we have we have swapped over. We have, I have dived his and he's dived mine, but my, mine is predominantly the JJ um, and his predominantly the AP and the, the Sidewinder. But that's not to say I couldn't if we wanted to. Like we're, we're not fussy about it. Like you can... one of our things that we we try and. Uh, push and we just had um reef world on you know and we're trying to bring more awareness to conservation and uh pollution and things like that one of the things that john chatterton told us was about was he was in bikini atolls and how much plastic pollution and other pollution he, he saw so are you finding this when you're doing some of these cave exploring are you finding any signs of you know of stuff creeping through the system into when it, you're diving if it's true like virgin exploration then there's very minimal sign of what there's no sign of other humans um the only exception to that would be if stuff gets washed if it's a river cave and stuff gets mm -hmm. washed down the river from the outside and, and travels through yeah. the cave um but in regards to like actual human rubbish from other humans that have have been there there's there's very little and cavers are in general pretty good at 
at conservation and, and preserving the environment because obviously there's very delicate formations and yeah. a nice rock which you don't really want to damage so there's there is different conservation in, in places in lots of the caves in the UK um, but yeah I mean as, as a rule I'd say that we were pretty good at at maintaining and, and keeping the areas quite nice that it's very rare to go caving and, and see like plastic bottles at the side of the track as you walk up I'd say divers are, are less good at, at that I'd say there's I'd find more rubbish at a dive site than I would at a caving site for sure by, yeah. by a significant increase as well um not saying it's always bad but there is obviously humans do make make a mess so yeah that point of view it needs to be improved um but yeah, in, in exploration terms, no, there's, there's pretty, it's nice to be away from, nice to be in a fully natural environment, so to speak, yeah. rather than somewhere you've got other human influences. Yeah, oh, that's good. One, one of the, one of the, the from, a, from a conservation point of view uh, and pollution, one of the things that caves do suffer from is, is not, not necessarily um, having the, you know, the, the plastic problem, it's, it's groundwater pollution. It's, it's farms that have got a, you know, a silage pit or a septic tank that's, that's ruptured. Or we, we had one recently in Somerset where a farmer's diesel storage tank had split. So, so diesel was leaking down into the, into the ground. It makes its way really? down from the groundwater. And then the cave, the cave underneath the farm was, was being polluted by, by diesel that was drip feeding down through the, down mm. through the rock, drops into the streamways, and, and, and then it, the, the diesel was coming out three or four kilometers down the valley into right. the river. And it was, it was the river authorities that picked up this diesel, you know, because the diesel was then working its way down through the villages as, as an open river. Uh, and eventually it was with cavers help uh, and cave divers help. Uh, it, the, the diesel was tracked all the way back up the river into the cave, all the way through the cave. And eventually, it was tracked to a, a, a farm that had a leaking um, a leaking diesel tank. Right. So, so that that to be fair, that was a fairly small leak. But in places like Florida, where, where the, the the Florida aquifer is is monumental, yeah. big industry, you know, big industry that's polluting the groundwater is a huge issue. You know, because you know, humans need water. We need water to, to survive. Yeah. And, and, and groundwater pollution and uh, Christina has the same fight um, in the Bahamas with, with, with groundwater pollution. You know, in, in the oceans, we've obviously got plastic problems. You don't tend to see that underground, as Robert says, but the big problem is actual, is physical, you know, liquid pollution. But, but underground, it's got, you've got, it's got to be flushed out. There's nothing we can really do with it. Because are these caves all getting mapped out? Because Christine was telling us about the Nemo system that they use to, which logs into Google um, Earth and maps. So you can see exactly where these caves are all going. So when it comes to building works, uh, building development, that all, that all, they, they can actually see where the caves are when they're thinking about putting new developments in so do we have yeah, the same I mean, all, system in the uk all, all cave systems all cave systems that are explored do get surveyed and mapped and you know the, the classic one recently down at wookie hole um they wanted to extend the show cave uh, about about four years ago they wanted to extend the show cave in, into wookie 20 so the but but to be able to put a new tunnel through to, so tourists could access a new part of the cave the whole thing had to be resurveyed at a much higher grade, um, so that survey technology increases. Like all technology, you know, surveying systems and technology, and the, and the way that a diver can survey underwater gets better and better as, as each year. Um, so yeah, we, we do we do produce maps of caves. It's, it's, it's part of what we do because by producing the map, you understand where it's going. If you understand where it's yeah. going you can then hopefully find more. And what about marine life? Um, obviously in the caves, do you come across much as well as obviously the open ocean? Yeah, there's a fair, there's a, in, in the caves in England, there's a fair bit of life. In the mines, there's not so much because it's mm. a static environment and the, the only thing they re, anything has to eat would be the, the wood for, that's decaying, like the pit props that are in the mines and stuff. So we have found really weird little microbacteria in the, in the mines in North Wales, um, sort of like, Kind of like an extending leech but really really skinny so that was quite a cool cool little find so there is life there but not very much 
Um, if you go into the caves, you've got little cave shrimpy things that they're kind of like remipedes. They're not really true remipedes in England, but they are they are of that that kind of thing. Um, so like Wookie, for example, there's tons of little little shrimp in there that just swim about. Um, obviously, trout, frogs, anything like that. I found found a newt at the bottom of a cave once that had obviously fallen in, so I, I rescued him and, and brought him back to the surface. That was quite quite cool. But yeah, there's there's there is a fair bit of wildlife. Obviously, bats as well. Obviously, they've yeah. been quite topical in the news recently, um, but we like them. So, yeah. what is your favourite marine animal? Oh, probably nudibranchs. To be honest, little any, anything nudibranchs is cool. Obviously, big fish as well. Anything anything bigger than me is is cool. <laughs> Basically, but yeah, if I if I had to say a specific animal, I'd probably say nudibranchs. Different species of nudibranchs. I love them. They're cool. Yeah. What's the biggest marine animal you've actually experienced? Uh, the biggest uh, mantas is the biggest I've experienced. Uh, there was a I dived in Bali and there was a black manta that was wow. lit, like huge, probably like two two or three meters across yeah, his wingspan. It was it was monster. So Amazing. yeah, that's probably the biggest one I've seen. Um, obviously, just reef sharks, stuff like that. I've not seen that many many sharks, which I would love to see more of. Um, so, so they're on the list but yeah I'd say the mantis were the, the biggest ones. If you could uh, dive or snorkel with three people they don't have to be a swimmer, diver or a snorkeler who would you choose? They can be past, present, they can be family, yeah. be well known, the three people. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's got, um, about it. <laughs> yeah 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 definitely that's, that's a, a thinky one isn't it. Um, probably um, anyone that's found a lot of cave um like some of the guys in yorkshire that that would be quite cool just for the the crack of it um like jeff uden who'd be cool um just because he's found tons of cave and it'd be cool to get the experience off of him i don't know i'd quite like to dive the britannic so maybe the captain of the britannic that would be quite cool um that's a hard question i like it it's good <laughs> um that's right we what are you thinking should we ask yeah i have a thing yeah you ask my dad one Okay, so we'll go to the marine one first for you, Michael. Favourite marine animal? My favourite marine animal is probably a, a cave creature called the Alm or a Proteus. Uh, they're found, they're very rare and they're not generally found. Sorry? I've not heard of these. Do, do, do a Google search for Proteus or, or Proteus. the Alm. O-L-M. They're cool animals. They're really cool animals. They're, they are... That they're extremely well. They're not extremely rare, but they they only live they they live in sort of northern Italy and Slovenia, uh, in in the caves in that area. But that I just that they don't move. They can, they stay stationary. They've been recorded at, at staying in one place for years on end. Because um, obviously they're, they're a you know they're a cave a true troglodyte animal. They they don't they don't run they don't burn energy running around chasing because there isn't anything to chase. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I just, I love them. I think yeah. they're fantastic. And for your second question, so you, can you name three people who you'd like to either dive or snorkel with? So somebody from the past, they don't have to be a diver, um, some from the past or any, anyone. You, it could be a member of the family, it could be anyone. The, the, first, the first guy that, that comes to mind um, is, is a guy called Rob Palmer. Now, now Rob um, did a I knew Rob, um, between 1995 and 1997, when he unfortunately um, didn't return from a deep, a deep technical dive. Now I learned a lot from Rob in those two years, and I'd love to be able to, do, to snorkel with him now, and just and just tell him what what we now know. Yeah, yeah, because you know, back in the in the 90s, we were we were working a lot of this out, uh, and he was working a lot of this out, and all, and then unfortunately he left us a little bit early, so. We, so it would be really cool for me to be able to just go on a diving trip or snorkeling trip with him now and just fill him in on the, yeah, fill him in on the gaps. Yeah. Two more. Um, some of some of the famous mountaineers. I mean, mountaineering and diving goes really hand. In my opinion, it goes hand in hand. That the psychology and and the you know and the ability to dive. So that there was a Polish mountaineer called Jerry Kakuska. Um, real, you know, he was a top of his game, fantastic, you know, real groundbreaking. He knew how to push the limits, uh, and that's one thing that, that really, really does, um, that really does get me going. Yeah. And uh, and Robert Robert mentioned uh, Immy Wallen earlier. Uh, Immy's someone that I would, you know, I'd, I'd dive and, and snorkel with tomorrow. I just she is just a fantastic person. You know, I've never, I know, I've known Immy for several years, but I've never had the chance to dive or 
you know, all snorkel with her. <laughs> I could answer that. I'd get my third one. Uh, I'll go with Gordon Ramsay because I quite like his recipe. Cool. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I bet he'd have a lot to say as well. We could go and catch some yeah. uh, lobsters and uh, eat them on the beach or something like that. That's a great one. Favourite piece of dive equipment, kit and wine, Michael? Oh, oh <laughs> favourite bit of kit. Um, yeah. Probably, probably my shearwater. Having, having spent, you know, many, many years diving all sorts of things from, from, from the RNLI tables to BZAC 88 tables to all sorts of old computers that never really work properly um, to, to using the, the modern Shearwater dive computer to, to be able to dial in exactly what I'm doing, have yeah. a reasonable amount of trust that it gets me, <coughs> it gets me out of the water safely and, and it's ease of use and the fact I can change all the colours on the screen as well that's quite cool so yeah, but, yeah I, <laughs> which I guess, one have you got i've got um what have i got you got the perdex i've got the i've got a perdex yeah so yeah, they're good one i've got sheer uh, water but they just they just make life so much easier now <laughs> it's just oh, it's like and, and yeah it's intuitive and easy to use i mean some some of the old mixed gas computers we we used to use with it, it was like you know, your computer was, if your computer was having a bad day, you, you weren't getting anything out of it. So. Yeah, oh, that's good. Uh, our next question, which I think you've already answered, who would be, who do you like to see us have on the show as a future guest? Oh, well, I mean, we've mentioned Emmy a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, Emmy's, Emmy's one for, for sure. Um, now, there's another, um, as a guy, another cave explorer, a guy called Sammy Packerin. Okay. Um, he he would be he's done a lot of a lot of cave and a lot of shipwreck exploration in 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 scandinavia in the north now right. scandinavia and, and the nordic areas it's not an area that's particularly well known but mm. there's a, there's an awful lot to do up there but it's not easy diving up there either well you you say that it's it's in the in the summer months it's no worse than than diving in, you know, the start of the season in the UK. Really? They're getting water temperatures of, of sort of 12, 13 degrees in the summer. So oh, it's okay. not, it's not, you know, it's not terrible. So yeah, that's good then. That's cool. Uh, and our last question, okay. Um, and Rob, this will come to you as well in a moment. But Michael, this is for you. Our last question is: so if there's something you want to put on a billboard. And it can be a question, it can be a quote, but you want to get a message out to the millions and billions of people out there. What would you put on a billboard? Enjoy the journey. Just, you know, that, that would be it. Just enjoy the journey. You know, you know so if we, if we relate this back to diving, you know, everybody, what, what I'm seeing now is a lot of people are ticking diving off as a, as a bucket list thing. I've, I've done my paddy, I've done diving. Um, right. to, to, to find a diver that's been diving for more, to find a diver that's been diving for, you know, more than six years is quite rare now. We, we need to, for, for diving to be, you know, to continue for many years, we need to keep people in it. So we, we need to be, we need to be promoting it as a journey, not, not just a do this course and then you've done it. It needs yeah. to be part of a journey. That is so true. Me and Gemma have talked about is with diving, you just see where it leads you. You go with it, you know, yeah, learn I mean, dive and go with it. From an instructor's point of view, it's crucial that we, that we sell dreams. You don't, yeah. We don't just sell training. We need, to, we need to be instructing and showing people what else is out there, what you can do when you have learned to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you've done your open water, there are these sites, these sites, and, and that you can go and dive. But if you want to go, and like Robert's, you know, Robert wants to go out and eventually dive the Britannic. He's getting there. He's not quite yet there yet to be able to pull off a hundred meter CCR dives. So that requires yeah. training. But he knows what he's doing the training for. Mm. He's got that dream, and he's going for that dream. Oh well, yeah, it's like we said before, just in, enjoying the stage you're at now in your diving and and doing that diving. So and and just don't rush it it's all links back into into that really um yeah. but i mean because at each level of your diving so say depth is is how we're gauging the level of your diving at the minute for each level of of that there's going to be different things to to look at and and experience so there's yeah, yeah. I mean, the ocean ocean's endless in it really and and so are caves 
Yeah, and that comes across with some of the people that we've had on the big scuba podcast about yeah about taking time to enjoy sections. Yeah, exactly. If, and if you're not enjoying the section of diving you're at at the minute, just take a look and and see what you can change about it to to hopefully enjoy it more. Mm. Um, because because if you're not enjoying it at the end of the day, there's that's that's the whole point. point. It's, it's yeah. fun. So yeah that's right yeah so our third question for you rob um yes. what's your favorite piece of dive equipment oh uh hmm. i've got some proper shiny dive right twin set regs i like them just because they're really shiny <laughs> and, and new they look um, cool do they yeah exactly um but i i also like my my dry suit my off the dry suit the, the atlantic one that's that's definitely my favorite bit of kit for sure yeah no, that's good um and again, like we asked your dad, who would you like to see as a future guest on the podcast? Um, there's a, a young girl called, uh, I mean, her Facebook name is like Scuba Sophie. Um, she's like 10, 12-ish. I'm not entirely sure how old she is, but I think she'd be quite a cool guest um, just for the whole, the youth aspect. I think she'd be, she'd be yeah. really good. I'm sure she'd be up for it as well. Um, yeah. she, she's done some charity, she did a charity dive in a, in a, I think I, I can't, she did a charity dive building Lego underwater and, and raised a fair bit of money from that. So there's, there's That's cool. Which is, but yeah, she'd, she'd be a really good one to get on. I'm sure she'd, yeah. she'd be up for it as well. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, we had a, three young guests um, back in the early episodes. Uh, we had Scuba Grace and Inca. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, May, yeah, but they were very, they just show you how far that you can go once you start yeah, the exactly, journey. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, if you could put something on a billboard, um, it doesn't have to be commercial, it can just be a statement, an image or a question. What would you get out there to the world? Um, don't follow the path, find your own path. And uh, yeah, I mean, use other, use other people. I mean, this is not what I'd put, but I'd say just use other people's experiences to gauge where you're going in life, but make your own path. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And a big like, thumbs up or something positive. Some yeah. funny image behind it. <laughs> the name of the like name, it. positive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, actually, can I change that? Every day is a leg yeah. day. Every day is a leg day. Yeah, every day is a leg day. You don't skip legs. Do you? <laughs> don't skip legs, though. No. Sorry, it's just a, that's a, a caving thing. Um, just when you're miserable and, and your legs are hurting, just remember every day is a leg day. Life is good. <laughs> Fair enough. Very good. <laughs> good. Do you have any questions for us? Where, where are you? Where, once you can uh, get back diving, where are you looking forward to going diving again? Um, well all being well hopefully because we did go although we did a, a, a short dive last night uh, it was the first dive that we've been back uh, so myself and a friend of mine just did done one of the rivers in norwich uh, yeah it was fun uh, never dived this river it was quite hard to get into and get out again uh, it's one of them dives think, why are we doing this uh, i couldn't believe how much litter in the di- in the river yeah. Uh, not very deep though we only got I think the deepest point I got to was three meters but we wanted to just explore it to see what was in there and uh, so we've done that and it was fun it was a nice one to do but the first thing on our agenda is Gemma's open water you yeah, know absolutely. So soon yeah you'll love that especially if you do it in the sea yes yeah, yeah definitely yeah. I don't, I don't know not many people the... in England say they've learned to dive in the sea so you can you can take that one off as well you can yeah yeah you can definitely do that that would be my top recommendation yeah, and everybody says that if you can learn to dive in the UK where it's a bit cold, it's not very clear, then everything else is just... Absolutely, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and it's been, you know, although, obviously the theory, you haven't been able to get in a pool, but, you know, even like last weekend, just getting in the river, that was, I've never done snorkeling in the river before. <laughs> it's just like with things on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was quite good fun. So, yeah, it makes you want to get in and do it more now, definitely. For sure. Yeah, so, but even to see some wildlife, you know, like Ian's been to the Farne Islands, you know, even just that experience yeah. of seals, just yeah, something yeah. that's UK based. It doesn't, I'm, you know, I know we've, the whole world's out there, but we've got so much here as well. We, we've got, we, you just said, you know, you just said what I was going to say. We, we've got so much in the UK. There's just everything. Um, you know, we might not have the warmth, we might not have the, the, the visibility, but, you know, I've had... I've dived shipwrecks off the North Cornish coast with, with 15, 18 metres of visibility. You know, so it is there. It is there. You've yeah. just, just got to go find it. So. And keep cosy, I suppose, with a dry suit on. And as long as you're cosy, then... Then it's all good, yeah. I mean, thermals these days are so good. You, there's no real excuse for being cold anyway, so it's, it's, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, an old, there's an old mountaineering saying that if you're cold, you've got the wrong clothes on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
all this to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, where can our listeners find you both on social media? Where, if they want anyone who's listening wants to follow you both, where are they best best to go to to find you? Both? Uh, yeah, so I, both Facebook and Instagram. Um, my, uh, Facebook is literally just Robert Thomas. Um, Instagram is Rob Thomas or Rob underscore Thomas thirteen. Um, yeah, so that just just both those profiles is is good. Okay. Yeah, and, and my, mine is, I've got Michael Thomas diving. Uh, well, it's, there's Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas diving. And on, on, what's my Instagram, Robert? It's uh, Michael Thomas 1946. Yeah. Link, so. Cool. Thank you very much. Perfect. That's brilliant. Yeah. And, and the same for you guys. If you've ever got any questions or queries, you know, oh, just give us a shout. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If I, if I need any advice, then. <laughs> yeah, don't hesitate. Yeah, no, it's been lovely meeting you, mate. But yeah, thank you very much. Thanks very much. And you, and you guys. Thank you very much for having us. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you Thanks too. very much for your time. Okay. All right. See you later. See you later. Bye. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. That's really good, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, really great to talk to great. Mike and Robert. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. And do you know what? Really touching that, you know, as a father and son team, and they love UK diving, you know, which is great. You know, and, and on the other circumstances, because we I think we can make the most of UK diving. And let's face it, we have got some great places to dive in the UK, whether it's on shore, whether it's inland, uh, Paddy did a really good uh, webinar in the week that they, and they talked about uh, UK diving. Well, look at it, we are an island. So we've got all this coastline and then we've got some amazing inland waters as well. So I think everybody needs to do a bit of research as well, what's available. We're an island, there we go. News, well, news yeah, last, last, I, last I looked, yeah, we were an island. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So let's say thank you. Let's, let's, there's some thanks we've got to give. Uh, first off, uh, thanks to Michael and Robert, and also let's not forget Christina Tonato. A big shout out to you because Christina Tonato very kindly helped set this up. That was really nice of her to do that. So yeah, thank you, so thank Christina. You. Really great. Let's also, if you've got, if you are listening, um, you know, do write in with maybe your ideas of where you where you're diving at the moment. Where you, where are you going? Where have you, have you found somewhere? Yeah, please email us or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. We're on it like a car bonnet. We are. <laughs> nice and simple. Yeah, nice and simple. And also look out for our, our um, little big chats. We did a whole load yesterday. They're coming out. Um, we just done one come out today for the boys at night at 90. Yeah. They are an award-winning engineers, you know, Look them up, Narked at 90. They aren't just about diving. They do a whole manner of different engineering projects. Look them up. Yeah, so if you go to the website and click on the YouTube channel, and then if you hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, then you'll get notification of when all the other little big chats are going to come out. Yep, brilliant. Well, I think that's it. I think yeah. we can leave everybody in peace, crack on with their Father's Day um, and enjoy it. Day 19. Yeah, episode 19, you heard it here, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Stay young.